0: Hey there, my name is Jonathan Galvan, and I'm one of the pastors at Redeemer. Uh, We're so glad that you're tuning in to this sermon, and we pray that this sermon would be an encouragement to you, so please enjoy. He is why I do not tell people my first name, because they never get it right, amen. Amen. And you're safe with just saying valentine or valentine, amen, And, and we'll be good with that. But thank you all for having me back here. You guys must love poor preaching, amen, to invite me back. Uh, six months later, is definitely, man, you guys are very gracious in that. And so I thank you all again for just your loving support financially, but more so prayers. I mean, yes, again, we are in a very underserved, underloved area, they say. And God has given us the privilege of showing them a beautiful and wonderful Savior and a, and a hard to, to reach place. But God has graced me. You know, I'm from the hood. So I can relate a whole lot to just the struggles. And so, uh, and and on top of that, man, God is just, and then you hear later on that, man, oddly enough, we are a multi-ethnic church. Go figure, amen, that God would use someone from the hood someone with a not so bright or so clean background uh, to plant a church that reflects the kingdom now and forever. And and for that, I am so grateful uh, to him uh, for the grace bestowed upon me and those who help lead and serve Omni Fellowship. To you, again, thank you. You have no idea how much my friendship with Jason, and your partnership with Omni means to me, uh, truly, uh, Jason knows every August, I send an email, hey man, it is budget time, amen, and so will you, and the church, pray about being a blessing, amen, to us as we, as we reach, uh, 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 again, a very demographical place uh, with the gospel, and so again, I, I want to say personally, thank you. You have no idea of, of how your your prayers and you getting behind us means to me and to Omni. With that, I'm going to talk about a very uh, uh, a topic that is near and dear to my heart. Uh, I believe that I believe that when it, when you look at the traits endure uh, God's attributes. Uh, many of them scream out, we we want that. I mean, love is important because God so loved the world that he sent his son. I mean, love is important. The idea of God being holy uh, is the only adjective that is uh, described of God both in Isaiah in the book of Revelations, of, 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 of it being rehearsed three times, holy, holy, holy. But I believe, and I may be on my own here, that if you take the attribute of, of love, you c- combine it with holiness. One of the babies birthed from that is unity. But if you are growing in your love for God with your all, and you are learning to love others as you love yourself, while having this high pursuit of holiness, I believe that unity is one of the babies formed from this glorious combination. Uh-huh. To be clear, I'm not saying that unity is uniformity. No, yes, we are all different, and no one is called to agree on everything. Uh, unity is not all of us being um, relative. That is us just saying that everything is right and, and, not ha- and not holding some absolute truth, some truth that is both absolute and objective, I believe that when it comes to unity, it's not about us abandoning the gospel for the sake of unity. I like how one noted pastor said that unity is having the same conviction about the same gospel, which produces the same love and the same understanding about its importance, and then attempting to think about everything else in like and in line with the gospel. Unity is a Latin word that has been defined as being of the same state. It's a word that means oneness, it means sameness, it means agreement. I believe that Paul himself he wrote uh, about this grandiose ideal in Philippians chapter four when he said, "Make his joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, and intent on one purpose." When Paul pens this, this letter from a jail cell, uh, verse two of chapter four, is written in as an imperative. Which means to me that the same uh, uh, love, the same thinking, the same purpose is not optional. It's commanded of us. But why? Why is unity? Why is oneness? Why is sameness a command of all who believe in Christ? I believe it's because our God is one. As blood-bought sons and daughters of God, called into fellowship with Christ, who represents the Godhead. That when we're called in such a fellowship with God, that, 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 that the result is not only us being saved to be near Christ, but also to represent who God really is. Is Moses writes, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the, the Lord our God is many. No, the Lord our God is some. No, he says, the Lord our God is one. Christ even quotes this same verb. It's the same text in Mark chapter 12, verse 21. It's safe to say that because our God is one and we have trusted in Christ who is one with God the Father in God the Spirit, we ourselves should be one. But how? But how how does this, this magical and mystical thing happen? It's simply because of our belief in the gospel. Listen, we are all united by Christ, by our saving faith in Christ. We're all made one. We're all in agreement as one. We're all same as one because of our union with Jesus. That when we believe in the one true gospel, when we believe in the one true God, whom He, uh, who sent. Christ, his son, when we believe this, we are then placed in the body of Christ, made one to live as one. So our belief in the gospel, listen, it transcends the most powerful earthly barriers, even of politics, classism, racism, religious traditions, and cultural differences. It allows us to be first and then to pursue oneness in Jesus. Unity is produced by God through Jesus, yet preserved by the church. Let me say it again. Unity is produced by God through Jesus and preserved by The church. I also have to remind myself. Been married now for sixteen years. Boy, she has been blessed to have me in her life. Every once in a while, we have a little tiff. We have a little taff every once in a while. There I go, trying to do good things to produce unity. I try to cook some of my famous barbecue chicken. I try to clean the house. I do all these things trying to produce what I cannot produce. My effort to produce what only God can and has in Christ, I fail often. I believe that many times we as saints, we try to produce what we cannot produce, but is called to preserve. This very... Unity, this very sameness, this very agreement that we are called to preserve, that God produced in Jesus, Christ himself prays for in John 17, verses 21 through 23. Listen to the prayer, what is called the high priestly prayer of Christ And this portion of Scripture in John 17. Listen to what Christ prays. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through the word. May they all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you. May they also be in us, so the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be made completely one. That the world may know you have sent me, and I love them as you have loved me. What a prayer! In this prayer, he prays that his disciples and those who would believe the word, those who would believe the gospel, would be one. That those who believe in the gospel now and later on, they would, they would think the same way. Have the same love, be united in spirit and, and be intent on one purpose. That is making much of Christ by putting on Christ every single day. But check out the root and the depth of this warning that we should have. Like, like, what does it actually reflect? What, what's the source of it? He says it here in verse 21a. Our unity is rooted in the, uh, uh, in the Father and in, in our Savior, Jesus. He says in verse 21, may they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in them and you. May they also be in us. Now this is amazing to me. That what Christ is praying some two thousand years ago, that whoever believes in the gospel, that they all be like the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Like when we like, like like our unity. In Jesus, it, it, it joins in the joyful and eternal unity of the Godhead in with each other. What he said that our unity on earth should reflect their unity in heaven. But their unity in heaven and because of this, this, this grandiose thing that when people see our unity, we'll see it's going to cause them to look higher and not at ourselves. This is an amazing work of the Spirit to make us one as Jesus and the Father are one. The question is, why is this so important? Why is this unity that is rooted in the Father and Son, that, that, that reflects the Father and Son? Why is this unity so important? Not only in the church, in our homes, on the block, at the job of those who all believe in Christ. Why is it so important? I'm glad to ask. Two things. Number one, our unity, y'all, y'all, listen to this, our unity proves that God sent Jesus. He says in verse 21, may they all be one as you, Father, or in me and I in them. May they also be in us, check it out, so that, in the clause, so that the world may believe you sent me. Drop down, verse 23. I am in them and you are in me, so that they may be made completely one, that the world may know you sent me. I think, he says that when we are thinking the same way, according to the gospel, when there's the same love when we are in unity of spirit and, we, and when we are, 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 are of one purpose. He says, man, what that does to the world, it shows that God the Father must have sent God the Son. January of 2017, Omni Fellowship is launched Before the praise team sung a song, before the preacher preached the word, when you looked out at Omni, it was, it, was the, it was the most magical and yet mystical thing ever. It was a plethora of diverse people joining together to worship the one true God because of the son he sent. I, I recall one time that this guy named Elliot, Elliot Sanchez, he's a, he then was an atheist. He came to me after our first service and said, Valentine, how did you get all of them people with different backgrounds to gather and not argue or fight? I said, Elliot, I didn't do it. Jesus did it. Man, when we have a diverse portfolio of friends, when we have a church made of multiple ethnicities, multiple backgrounds, and cultures. It's not meant to make much of the preacher or anybody else. What it sends to the world is that they are gathered because of someone bigger. And that's Jesus. That's Jesus. Jesus. I remember in 17, I know that, 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 that 16, November, Trump got elected. Now, Army then was made up of about probably 50% white, 40% black, and 10% other. And when Trump got elected, there was folk in Army, th- th- there were some who were applauding, and some that were mad. Some believe we have moved forward. Some believed we had moved back. And I'm sitting there during one of these meetings hearing folks express themselves. I'm like, God, what do I do? You put these your saints together, I need a heart of wisdom to shepherd them well. And I never forget, so who can bring the blue and red party together to worship me? Son, who can bring the middle class and the poor together to serve me? Son, who else can gather felons, divorcees, ex-drunkers, and addicts, and those struggling with all kinds? of? Sin? Who can do that? I said, Jesus. He said, son, what I want you to do is to impress upon them to look away to Jesus the author and perfecter of their faith. Amen. Listen, that moment was not me, but when that happened, y'all, you saw people running over to each other, giving folks hugs, crying with burning with. They, they, you saw that like that was a milestone and omni. Where I actually saw that because God sent it, Jesus, we could be diverse and yet unified. That was a glorious moment. It showed me that the only reason why Omni can be the way it is is because God sent Christ. But another thing, this type of unity, as I continue to observe at Omni and, and beyond, and according to the text, this type of wareness and unity, it proves that God loved us as He loved us. Jesus, loved, past says, verse 23 says, I am in them, and you are in me, so that they may know, that, that they may be made completely one, that the world may know you have sent me, here it is, have loved them, them being the saints, as you have loved me. Go back. That the world, those who don't know God, may know you have sent me, that is Christ, and have loved them, the saints, as you have loved me. Yeah, what he is saying here is that when we p- pursue what we are, What it shows the world is that God has loved us. That is Ares. That's past tense. He has loved us and there's nothing we can do for him to unlove us. Which is saying this, salvation is not proof of your pursuit of Jesus. Salvation is had because Christ possesses you. Don't base your salvation off what you do or don't do. It is based on what God has done for you and yet enables you to do it. And so because we are possessed by Christ, we ought to now pursue peace. We should pursue to preserve peace. The question is, how do we preserve peace? Peace. How do I preserve peace in my home, with my kids, at my job, at the local gathering of the saints? How do we do this? How do we do it in such a way where it shows that God sent his son and that he has loved us as he loved Jesus? I got to go back. I got to stay for all of us. That because God has loved us as he has loved Jesus, his love for us does not go up or down. If you failed in pursuit of preserving unity, God's love did not go down. If you failed, and some of the things I'm going to present, know this, God's love for you has not gone down. That because you are in Jesus, God the Father loves you just as much as he loves Christ. And there is nothing you can do to change that. That's good news. That because of the finished work, the, the death, burial, and resurrection, and the ascension of Christ, and you've put your faith in him, and you've trusted in him, and, and, and you're not in the body, just because you have not pursued unity does not mean he's not yours. My prayer is that, man, that, that we, would, we would now be uh, engaged in what it means to preserve the unity That Christ has provided. And the question is, how? I'll give you a few things and then I'm going to sit down. If we're going to earnestly, let us be totally committed to preserving what God has produced in Christ. In our homes, with our kids, at our jobs. Even if if we are bosses, ballers, or the man. These things work for all of us. If if you are a blood-bought son and daughter of God, no no matter where you are, what you do, your aim should be to preserve the unity that God has made for us in Christ, no matter what, and no no matter where you are. But how? How? Paul Paul gives us four things in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. If we're going to preserve this unity, we must first, he says, be humble, humble. Andrew Mary, in his book, Humility, defines humility as such. Humility is the place of complete dependence upon God. But if we're going to preserve unity, we and our flesh, Can't do it. We must come to the place where we depend on God to work in and through us to preserve the unity he's provided for us. We must come to an end of ourselves. that Then God can do it all through us to preserve this unity, this oneness. Big point. If we're going to preserve unity... You got to depend upon God. You cannot do it in of yourself. There's a humility that must be had, a deep dependence upon God. Secondly, we must be gentle with all humility, and he says, with gentleness. One guy. Has called this attribute of God the Christian spirit. Being gentle, y'all, listen to me. Being gentle is the opposite of being harsh, defensive, and or rude to others, no matter the circumstance. That if we're going to preserve unity in our homes, with our kids, in any important or pivotal relationship, we must be gentle, that is, not rude, not harsh, and not defensive. In other words, this idea of being gentle is power under control, Power, power under control and will. Of God. It is the supernatural ability to be tender with our words and with our actions, even when we are being wrong. A gentle person is gracious, but also speaks the truth in love. We cannot possess and/or be gentle without humility, and we definitely cannot preserve. Unity without them both. We must be humble. We must be gentle. And then it says that we must be patient. With all humility and gentleness, with patience. Patience is exercising slowness and mercy when wronged. Patience. It's exercising slowness and mercy when wronged. It is not retaliating when hurt by anyone else. It is the ability to do nothing that Jesus himself would not do or say when we are being wronged by others. Question is, When you think about these attributes, humility, gentleness, patience, have you been these things when it comes to preserving unity? My wife and I, we go to marriage counseling, and one of the things that he constantly asks me, How has your pursuit of oneness been? And all I think about is, Have I been humble? Have I been gentle? Have I been patient? And the answer sometimes is no to all three. Well, son, how can y'all be pursuing oneness? If you're not humble, if you're not gentle, if you're not patient, but also if you don't bear with one another in love. Listen, bearing with one another Another means tolerating the faults and seeking to understand the differences of others by listening and extending compassion. instead say it again, bearing with one another means tolerating the faults and seeking to understand the differences of others by listening and extending compassion. It means giving the other person room to be different in non-moral Man, we're all different. No one in here has the same DNA. No one has the same fingerprints. But being different does not mean we cannot be one. Having a different background, different color, a different upbringing does not mean in Christ that we cannot think the same, have the same love, pursue the same purpose, and be of one intent. That it does not mean, but because of Christ, we can be one despite us being different. What makes worse? What brings God the most glory? Us all being the same and being one or us being all different and pursuing one? The glory of God is to call a diverse people, a, a diverse single bunch, wretched people to himself and to, by his grace, help us pursue oneness in Jesus. That's the glory of God. T- to bring together a very diverse, like, multifaceted people group and say, hey, I'm going to make you one. And then you all the means of pursuing that one in Jesus. But you but you gotta be humble with each other. You, you gotta be gentle and patient and forbearing. Then he says, all this is to be done. Here is the motive in love. It's because I loved you. You now get to love them by preserving this, the, uh, the, the, uh, the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace by being humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. When it comes to the idea of seeking unity, love seeks the highest good of the other person. Think about that. Love seeks the highest good. No matter what they've done to me, what what they've said to me, it seeks the highest good of the other. I love how one guy says, says that love is unconquerable, is an unconquerable benevolence. And invincible goodness. Love goes out of its way, not only for those who are good to you, but even to your enemies. And love prays for its persecutors' highest good. How in the world do we do that? Look to the cross. Jesus hung on the cross by men he created. Jesus hung on the cross by the wood he created. Christ hung on the cross by the nails he created. Christ hung on the cross between two thieves he created. Praise for them. Father, please hold not the sin against them. Forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. That on the cross we see Christ being humble, being gentle, being kind, being patient, being forbearing, all because he loved them. If we don't grow and our love for people, and our love for God, if we don't pursue holiness as Christ is holy, we will not make every effort to preserve the peace he's given us amongst each other. I know many in here are married. Many in here have a significant relationships that that they're in, I pose the question, have you thought about you being gifted the the opportunity to preserve unity, to show the world that God sent his son and that he loves us as he loves Jesus? Like, this is why I'm doing it. I I want the world to know. I want my kids to know. I, I, I want my neighbors to know. That God sent his son and that God loves everyone, loves those who are saved, just as he loves Jesus. That's what's on the floor now. Have you done this? Have you been humble? Have you been gentle? Have you been patient? Have you been for forbearing in love just as Christ has been all these things to you? If not, I'm going to carve out some time for us to pray. Maybe there is a co-worker. Maybe there is somebody at your job or that you know. Of. I, mean, I have not been seeking to preserve unity. I've actually been the one not doing that. But isn't God kind and gracious? In moments like this, to call us into what, what what we're called to do in Jesus. So I'm giving just 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 a few moments to allow the Spirit of God just just to do His work in, in, in your heart. Asking Him, God, will You search me and know my heart, see where there's any anxious ways. In a that does not lead to life in me. Will you search me? I have not been a peacemaker. One seeking to preserve the peace that I know and have in Jesus. Whether it's with my parents, with my spouse, kids, coworkers, friends, even enemies. Have I really been trying to make every effort to to preserve unity? Father God, will you work in this room? I know that politics is a big thing. Social media is a big thing. Today, even race is a big thing. Gender, equality, all these things. But none of those things should stop us from preserving the unity that we have in Jesus. None of those should stop us from becoming friends and to associates with those who are different than us. So that we can show them Christ and then be preservers of the peace that Christ provides in our lives. Where have you fallen short? There's grace. Remember, God's love has not changed for you. It's not because of what you do or don't do. It's because of what Christ has done and continues to do for us. God, when you bring up names? when you bring up faces, when you bring up Families, that we, your blood-bought sons and daughters, have not been hot pursuers or hot preservers of this peace that you have given us in Jesus. May we, in that peace now, seek to reconcile. God, we need you. If the truth be told, we've been poor preservers of your peace. If the truth is, if be told, we have not done the job that you call us to do in grace. We haven't done it well. We haven't. So will you, by the power of your spirit, by the power of the spirit of grace, grant us humility. Grant us the gentleness, the patience, and the forbearance we need in love to be reminded of the peace we have with you and you call us to have with others. God, we love you. We thank you. Be faithful in this moment. Help us, bless us to be preservers of your peace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Church. If you want to connect with us at Redeemer, we would love for you to visit us at a service in person or visit us online at www.redeemermidland.org.